Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this part in October of 2023. And welcome to episode 120, another conversation with Annalise Record. <laughs> and I've, I don't know how we're going to say the third one, but we're not done, listeners, after this conversation. So you're in for yet another treat today, but another treat another time, which we tried to record again, but then she was sick. And then I think you were yeah. sick and then I was sick. And yeah, Listen, it was hot mess, right? Yes, yes. We'll figure yes. it out. Though. And you can hear it in her voice too. She's you can hear oh, that. That's right. That this, she's stuffed up. Yeah, this one was the beginning of that one because we yeah. were going to try to keep yeah. going another day. And nope, just, nope. <laughs> she lost her voice at that she point. She did. I know. Oh well. First, we want to give a shout out to everyone that I texted about Barbara Aerosmith Young's episode, which was episode 115. And uh, let me just tell you, everyone that texted me back basically all said your word. Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm (sighs) telling you, that one was, it was just, there was just so many wows. It was just fascinating. And I think you and I had talked about this. Like, why was it so fascinating? Why was that one of our favorite episodes up to date? Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we were actually doing the learning, right? Like, like we actually learned and took in and there's, you know, we, a lot of times we share our learning. We are not doing the learning on an episode. So that was just, just, yeah, just, just wow. There's no other word. (laughs) You're Mm -hmm. right. No other word. Okay. Reflection. Homework. Ugh. Homework. (laughs) Okay. So stupid. First of all, I just want to say, thank God, and I'm touching wood, knock on wood. I'm doing it for you. Yes. Thank God my son has had good luck with his middle school teachers and they haven't really assigned him a lot of homework. Like he's able to get it done fairly quickly. And when he does have homework, it's like the longest homework he's had was actually Delta math. Remember Delta math Jeff told us about? Yes. Yes. He actually had Delta math homework. That was a little bit longer, but it was uh, multiplying polynomials and we were doing the area model and I was able to do it with him. So mm-hmm. that was actually fun. <laughs> and I because for I was you. doing for me. It was. it was. But he he like was able to do it. And there were a few questions a few too many questions because they were all the same. Like okay and I wanted one. to know how how much yeah. time was it? Yeah, it was maybe 30 minutes, okay. 45 minutes, maybe. It just, it kind of took a little bit longer. It felt longer because it was at the very end of the day. Like we were okay. all kind of tired. Right. It was bedtime, right? So, so that, that part of it was unfortunate, but uh, that's it. It was a one night that was a little bit longer and he still went to bed at a reasonable time. Like it was like 930 and he went to bed. So it not really not, I have nothing to complain about. My son's best friend, however, this poor kid, 
I've asked him, I always ask him every day when he, I, I do pick up and he's not always with us because he's also on the baseball team, you know, but whatever. Uh, he has told me multiple times that his homework lasts like three hours sometimes. It takes him three hours to get his homework done. He has baseball for the middle school. He has baseball travel team that he's on. Why? 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 I I, I don't understand. What he's doing is far more important going and playing and being outside and developing those kinds of skills. Like that's the time for that. Why is he being bombarded with homework? It doesn't make any sense to me. And, and then you have Brody who like has none. So like, and it's just by chance, pure luck. It, it just see, it doesn't seem right. No. And that brings me to, this is a total equity issue. Yep. Right here. As soon as you started saying that, I was like, this is not equitable at all. No. And okay, listen, if we have 24 hours in a day and eight hours-ish is devoted to sleep and eight hours is devoted to work, what happened to the eight hours of here's eight hours for you to do whatever. Like we're doing this in part of our eight hours. Why? Because we love it. Like, yeah, this is like fun for us. Yes. Right. So what what happened to fun for eight hours? For kids. For For children. Yes. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm not a fan. And then even, even some I, I had a parent conference and the question was, well, do you go over homework? And I said, not really. Yeah. No. So, I mean, the homework that I assign is review and- From the previous year, right? Right. Yes. This one is. Sometimes I'll throw in review from- where I haven't yet thrown in review from fifth grade, right. but it's well, coming. we're still at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it is coming. And I, I said, like, sometimes I'll look at a question if it's a good question or if I, you know, quickly see that kids had a hard time with it. But even more importantly, what I want them to do is if they don't understand it, they have to advocate for themselves and say, can you ask or can you have this conversation with me? I don't, I'm not sure. I didn't understand this. Um, but yeah, I know it's a waste of time. Okay. I have a, I have a follow-up question for you. Yeah, go ahead. So when you said that to the parent, what did the parent say? She was okay with it. She was like, oh, okay. I was just wondering because, you know, I could see that she was making mistakes on her homework. So I didn't know, I didn't know if I should stop her or if I should just keep going. And I said, I'm perfectly fine with you stopping her and saying, hmm, that's not the answer I got. Let's compare how we did it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I kind of put that out there to see what she would say. And she was receptive to it. So darn, I was uh, hoping she was going to say, then don't give it. Oh, I told her I wish I couldn't. I didn't have to. I mean, I told her I if it was up to me, I wouldn't give any homework. I did but say that. Is this like a school policy then? Yeah. Yeah. So is there a policy about how much homework you have to give? Just it has to be less than an hour. That's all. Oh, and okay. They already, yeah, they already do a half hour of reading. Okay, so, so they cannot spend. If you yeah. sent home this daily home, you know, this daily review thing, and I, I don't know, there's like eight questions on it. Could it be like Monday you do problem number one? Yeah. And Tuesday you do problem number two. Like, yep. can you strip it down even like that much further? I could. Yeah, absolutely. Do that seriously, because again. 
I bet you all of your students have some fun thing to do after school. Absolutely. And I I mean, for the most part, the the homework doesn't take them a long time. I mean, they all say like it took me, you know, less than 10 minutes or whatever. It's really not like a super intensive homework assignment. So yeah, but it's still like I know. All right, I let's know, move but, on. Uh, homework. Uh, uh, let's move on to good news, Karina. What's your good news? So I, <laughs> being a dance mom, <laughs> I have because now I've and now I think Laura, I've fully like accepted the role because <laughs> like I'm in it deep now. You you don't even realize. I wait. I this have, started when she was three or five. No, five. So five. she started at five, and now but she's she didn't start. She's nine. She's, she'll be nine. 10 in November. Okay. <laughs> so we're five years, we're like five years into this. Okay. I have a new forced hobby, a hobby that has been Wait forced a upon me. A forced hobby? Yes. A, a, one that I did not, it was not of my own choosing. <gasps> However, it's, 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 I, I've, I've enjoyed the time that I've been doing this. So I've discovered bejeweling. Oh God, I was... <laughs> That's what I was going to ask if that was your forced hobby. Stop. So you're like bedazzling everything? Yeah. Well, bedazzling her costumes. That's what I've been doing. Yes. Oh. But I I now stop. have Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I've discovered that you there are syringes that you can buy on Amazon stop. for like glue, glue. Stop. to to squeeze the glue out that is just like precise oh my goodness this is like it has made my job so much easier and faster (laughs) I'm much more efficient with the syringes uh when it comes to bedazzling yes I have now bedazzled oh only two costumes but one of them was intensive like there was a lot I'll show you a picture okay and I mean, there's a little bit of pride in it, right? When I saw her put the costume on and she's all shiny and glimmery, I'm like, I did that. Plus, I will also admit that I have had a glass of wine while I'm doing this. (laughs) Okay, hold on. Wait, wait. Wait. (laughs) Wait. So, you know I'm going to bring our learning through math tote. I'm not even going to bring up the shirt oh, because God. that's oh already sparkly. You're going to make me bedazzle it. <laughs> Are you going to bedazzle my tote so I can bring it to the conference? I can if you want me to. Oh, oh my gosh. Now you must. Oh, stop. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so, but I will tell you, it is actually a very zen activity. I was like, going to ask you, is it therapeutic? Yes. It is because there's it's it's completely mindless, right? And it's just like glue, 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 jewel, Stop. jewel, jewel. <laughs> but I, oh my gosh, I should take a picture of her costume and make it into a notice and wonder. And like, um, I was actually thinking about it because her dress. So she has a can can dress, yes, Stop. and and it's they do the can can, and it's like. Is one that what circle. they do? Is that what they do? The can? I'm kidding. The can. Of course they're going to do <laughs> it. One, one circle and then like an inner circle of jewels and then an outer circle of jewels. So yeah, I mean, too bad I don't teach circumference because we could talk about the area or the circumference of those these circles. Oh yeah, it's a good one. I should take, I need to take a picture of that costume. Well, I'm sure all of our listeners are going to want to see it anyways. 
Yeah, I'm going to have to do it. I will. I'll I'll take a picture. I'll take a picture. I'm going to add that to my show notes to remind you. Pick (laughs) of baby girls costumes. Yes. Bedazzled costumes. Oh, my gosh. Now, what's the difference between bedazzled and bejeweled? I don't know. I'm not that far into it yet. This is a brand new forced hobby on me. So, Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Yes, I've discovered syringes and I've discovered bejeweling with wine. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right, listeners. Well, uh, at that note, I'm just going to say, and now here's another conversation with Annalise Record. So we're now on to part two with our friend Annalise Record. And we are debriefing Karina on the Building Thinking Classrooms conference that we went to. By the way, I wore my bright green BTC volunteer shirt today. Not one person at my school made a comment. I thought maybe somebody would be like, whoa, that's really green. Or, hey, what's that little BTC thing, the Building Thinking Classrooms logo? Or, hey, what'd you volunteer for? Not one person mentioned it. I was I was kind of shocked. I mean, they all know I wear, you know, math shirts all the time, but nobody said anything. And that was kind of sad to me. All right. Well, not yet. You, right. you have you you have yet to engage in this in some classrooms. Just wait till you start. That's true. Yes. And then they'll yes. be like, wait a minute, you went to that? That's right. Okay. All right. Yeah. And to be yeah. fair, to be fair, Laura, it was just the third day of school. Oh. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on that might maybe have teachers preoccupied. That's true. And I did sit in a leadership meeting today for, I don't know, three hours. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Annalise and I are going to break down some of the sessions that we went to. And a lot of them, we went to the same ones because we both are coaches. So we went, we decided, you know, those are the ones we want to focus on. But some of them were specific for K2 or 3-5. Oh, okay. So the first one we want to talk about is about our friend Tammy McMorrow. She runs the K2 BTC Facebook group. So if you're a K2 teacher and you are not in that Facebook group, you must join because Tammy and Nicole offer so much in that Facebook group. It's amazing. And even I'm going to, I'm going to plug it too. Even if you're a third, fourth or fifth grade teacher, I mean, it is worth going in there and just to see because it, it, it helps you think about how you can, you know, like level it up. Or if you have students who might not be working on grade level, you might want to pull some of those activities or tasks and use them in your classroom as well. That's so true. Well, her session was on elementary thin slicing. It's not just for the big kids. Mm. (laughs) I love that title. (laughs) So Annalise, tell our listeners something that you loved or found inspirational. From her session well i've been you know wrapping my brain around how does this look in the k2 classroom right because there is a yeah. certain level of independence and agency the kids need to have for this to function and i do want to make sure we do mention that the the sin slicing of these tasks are in a further toolkit than the beginning of the toolkits right so the first toolkit which is your turning everything on its head from the kids perspective of standing up, being working on vertical non-permanent surfaces, having a rich task that makes them think and problem solve, like that is like the beginning of the journey, right? 
Yeah. But I think myself, I tend to get caught in that first one still, right? Yeah. And so one of the biggest pieces of advice that Peter had said over the course of the conference was like, get out of toolkit one for those of you who have been doing it for a while. Right. So I thought that was really great advice. So, but with the thin slicing, you have to have other elements already in place. And the knowledge mobility is a really important thing that that kids know that the teacher isn't the one person they go to to see if I'm right and get the next task. That yes. it's like there's a central location where the task can increase or I can, I can take it from a different group's board, right? Like you can't just jump in and do this thin slicing right away. And particularly at a K2 where you're, you're really working on the, the, the norms of what happens in the thinking classroom. Um, what I love so much is that Tammy is such a wealth of knowledge and she's been teaching for 29 years first grade teacher, she is walking the walk, right? Like she is doing this day in and day out. So she had photographs and videos of the kids just so we can see what it looked like around the room. And she had taped up 30 Probably, examples yes. of this slicing. And, but what they were were things I, I already share in my consulting world, like splat, like, oh my gosh, you could thin slice splat. <laughs> it doesn't have to always be a whole group daily routine. Like these are activities that can be done. And so the thin slicing is essentially starting at an entry level where everyone can enter a task and then uh, incrementally increasing the difficulty. Because Peter says that kids, kids are more willing to engage in productive struggle on the heels of success. So mm -hmm. if they can enter in and do a couple of examples that they're like, hey, we just solved that. We're feeling pretty good the third one and fourth one are nudging them further slightly, they're more willing to engage in that something is different here. So for example, primary, it goes from no regrouping needed to add two to digit numbers into like, now there's regrouping with the ones place. Like something's a little different here, but that's why they work together to problem solve that, right? So I loved the fact that things I already have been doing and suggesting in my consulting work, it's like, oh, <laughs> it's just, it's so surprising to me after all these years of my immersion in this of like, why didn't I think of that sooner? Like it seems yeah. like common sense. And so I just yeah. loved all of her different examples of those. And she readily shares that with people in the Facebook group and stuff. So I highly recommend again, reiterating joining the Facebook group. She's so generous to share all our ideas. Yeah. My favorite one that she had up on the board and I took pictures of all of them was double digit edition. And what she did was have hundreds charts with two or three numbers covered up and the kids had to figure out what those numbers were and then add them. Like, mm. I was like, why didn't I ever think of that? <laughs> because they, like we're better together. We're better together. Yes, right. Like, yeah. So much so. And one thing that she did talk about was, labeling her tasks instead of by number by the letter of the alphabet so a b c d and you know you got to think it's first grade so yes they're learning you know knowing the sequence of the abc's but then it also doesn't get in the way if there's any numbers involved in the actual problem right it's just right. like in fifth grade i tell the kids especially when we get to like decimals or something like always circle the problem number that way you know it's not part of the problem yeah you know <laughs> yeah yeah That's my little trick for that she did talk about that she has one location in the room to display the tasks and she only puts them up 
one at a time as a group needs them. However, since our conference has come out, Peter and his team have had new research that's come out where they talk about the banner method. And I don't even remember if we talked about this on the last episode or not, but you keep like the the top six to eight inches available of the whiteboards, the the whiteboards or the white books. And I haven't quite figured out how to do this on walls yet. Maybe have one of those plastic sleeves where you can just insert things. But you give that task to the next group and they put it up above theirs. And that way when, you know, group whatever two is done, and if they are not sure, they can just look at group fours and say, oh, that's our next task. So they've talked about this banner method now. And I, I listen, if you Google it, I'm sure it'll come up. If you listen to anybody else's podcast, they, they have been talking about it since the summer, since the summer conference. So I don't know. Did you hear that at all, Annalise? Well, yeah, what I want to make sure we explain to people who aren't familiar with this is that the groups do get the tasks one at a time. So if you're seeing an example of a sequence of thin slicing tasks, they tend to appear in a picture all at like in that one picture. So teachers don't understand you give them one at a time, right? Because yeah. um, Peter also says kids can't be present if you keep reminding them about their future. future. So if you show them a list, their mindset is I need to finish that list and then I'm done mm-hmm. for the day, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine a group is given a, a problem to solve and these tend to be more calculating like skills of like each of the four operations or um they can be also visual like graphs or or things like that um but they're not really they're not like word problems so much like so you're able like to write the the um the the expression or whatever at the top of one of the whiteboards so then when the kids are done that one then they get on to the next one and so so what happens sometimes is the teacher becomes someone that all the kids are going to for the next problem. And you don't want that. You want the kids to have more agency than that, which is why when the group finishes that task, they're ready for the next one, they can look around the room. And even Peter has said that when they go to him and say, okay, what's the next one? He'll say, I don't know. What do you think? And he shrugs his shoulders and looks around the room to to build that knowledge mobility that we can um, pass it on this information to each other, right? So from, from my consolidation of the different ways we can facilitate it. That's uh, what Peter suggests is that banner method. Tammy is doing it in terms of one central location, like on a sticky note, she might put nine plus six on a sticky note. Um, but then when one group is ready for the next one, she'll put one more beneath it. So kids are still working on the first one. And when they're ready for the second one, they look up on that one central board and then they go write it on their own board as a banner. So they're writing it on top but they go right to one location. No one's coming to her to ask her for the next one. But I also been loving listening to the Think Thank Funk podcast. Yes. They're a phenomenal <laughs> job. Um, and so Megan Giroux um, mentioned that she does what's called a she calls it, calls it a Joker card, where um, she will have pass out the cards. Well, one kid gets a Joker card, and so then they get to become an assistant for the day. And so they they're given the purple marker. They're given the sheet of the thin slice expression. So not only is she going around helping facilitate, but this one student of the day who got the Joker card gets to be the helper and, and go around with that as well. So she's been finding success uh, with that as well. So I um, like that. 
Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I like that a lot. Um, hmm. And you also, he also mentioned, uh, or she mentioned what he talks about is um, anticipating what you what they call traffic jams. <laughs> so places along the thin sliced progression um, where kids might get stuck. And so you want to have kind of the idea of, of parallel problems to give of a similar kind of difficulty level um, before they're ready to move on to the next level of the challenge. So right. um, I think about it in terms of this. This example is so, so clear in my head. When I was um, teaching grade five, and I taught from a textbook, it's all I knew how to do. That's what math teaching was. And we get to long division in my fifth grade classroom. <laughs> and so it was the entire sequence of divide, multiply, subtract, bring down, that whole sequence. Um, but I had one lesson in my textbook that was what to do when there is a zero in the quotient. As if that needed its own day of a lesson, yeah. right? So when I think of the thin slicing, I think of the fact that there's a sequence of expressions where I'm dividing. But around like the eighth one, I might get one where there happens to be a zero in the quotient. And I'll deal with it when I get with it with my group on the heels of success of having been dividing, right? Like that to me just speaks so clearly of what thin slicing is. It's like it, it, you're starting at a level that everyone has an entry point. You can't, you can't um, start too easy, mm -hmm. he says. And you can never you start wanna, too easy. Right. You, you can't. You can't. Um, and so very often I heard, I think Megan uh, talking about this in the podcast, that you know, like review problems. Like give a couple that are review that lead into this, this, this skill of the day that you're trying to have the kids do. And in that way, they're covering more content than the lessons in your textbook. Because yep, they're just right. getting the natural progression as what do we do with this now, right? Um, Although I do find that kids, with if they're not doing the standard algorithm, if they're doing any other way that involves the numbers and the values of the numbers, they don't get hung up with a zero and a quotient because they're not thinking about that as being a digit that requires this whole set of right. steps, right? But um, yeah, but yeah, so yeah, so that love all that idea about the thin slicing and and uh, yeah. We loved her session. Obviously, you could yeah. tell we've been talking about it for I don't know twelve minutes. <laughs> so good job, Tammy. <laughs> yes. Well, it's so exciting to see it as a K two yes. examples, right? Because a lot of examples that I've seen have been like high school stuff. Yes. Where I, I did that thirty years ago, so I don't see where any of the increases happening. I'm like, okay, I'm out right, right. now. Right. So, so to see it in a K two level with all these examples of things that make so much common sense. I'm like, oh, that's all I have to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I just love it. Okay. Uh, another session that you attended was mine, right? I sure <laughs> it did. It was the roundtable discussion for coaches and admin. And I'm just going to tell you that my prep for that was kind of a two-prong approach because I actually three-prong approach because I had to say to myself, who's going to be there? Is it coaches? Is it admin? Is it coaches and admin? I had to think of, do they want to do tasks? And if so, I had to have some ready. And also, right. it was the level of knowledge of the people that were in there. Because, I don't know, I kind of just assumed that everybody that came to this conference already knew about BTC. And there right. were lots of people that didn't know Didn't anything really. yeah they they hadn't even read the book yet stop yeah that shocks me so we had from soup to nuts like we had the entire 
spectrum of attendees. Yeah, of participants. So we get into my room and I think seven people came in, which was great. And I said, okay, I just want to know, are you a coach or admin? You know, go to that side of the room. Everybody walked to the coach's side. And I was like, yes, because you have to approach admin in a different lens than coaches. And then I asked what was everyone's level of knowledge for BTC. And I was kind of trying to do like a Kagan logic lineup kind of thing. And the majority of you went to the center is like, you know, I know stuff, but nobody went to the expert area. And then there were two people that kept, they were in the, the, I don't know anything. And they kept trying to walk behind each other because they were like, I know less than you, you know, (laughs) that's funny, (laughs) which was awesome. And so I said to them, listen, you know, they don't know. No, you know, but one of my cute little sayings is you can have my time. Just don't waste my time. And I told them that. I said, I don't want to waste your time. What do you want to do? Do you want to do tasks? Do you want to just talk? And everybody was like, we just want to talk. You know, people had questions or I think that was really it. Like people had questions, right? I mean, yeah. Annalise, you you jump in because I was the facilitator. I was literally just trying to like, you know, write down where everybody was from, what they taught and, you know, jump to the next person. And everyone was so respectful. It was so great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that um, I'm the program chair for the New, he- New England Math Teachers Association Conference a year from now. And so I'm very mindful of what I'm bringing in some of these things that we did at that conference that aren't normally at a conference. And mm-hmm. right. The, the, you know, right. So you typically go to a conference and there's session after session after session. And by the second day or you know, the first day, you're, you're just, you can't take in anymore. You want yeah. to process. You want to process with other people who are wanting to focus on a certain topic. So I'd love to bring that into other conference experiences. And so, yeah, I didn't want to do any tasks. I want to talk to other people who are leading teachers in this. Like, what advice do you have? What's worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? And, and learn from each other. Um, yeah, so I loved how I was so happy that the group wanted to do that and not do tasks. I mean, I would have done tasks, but right. like that's that's what I wanted, a chance to talk to people in the similar role of yeah. leading teachers as coaches in the building thinking classrooms. And so I just love that opportunity. And they provide this opportunity for all different ranges of grade levels and roles. So a teacher could go to a K2 teacher roundtable discussion or a 3-5 teacher round table. And I just, I thought that was so awesome. I love that opportunity. Yeah. So I literally, and I hear there was a great outcome. (laughs) Tell me about that. So one of the attendees in my session was Nova and she and I started talking and she, she said, you know, how can we stay connected as coaches? And so of course I open my mouth and I say, well, why don't we start (laughs) a BTC Facebook group for math coaches? And she and I, Annalise and this other lady, Monique, we all ended up at the same next session together. And by the time that session was over, the Facebook group was already started. Um, I was a moderator. Like it was, you know, and as of right now, we have almost 2,000 members. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. we, I mean, school's just starting for some of us and some people they're not, you know, it's still weeks away, but I think once it gets started in the school year, 
you know, we'll have a lot of content to share about how we're rolling this out with our teachers, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but and it's specifically a coaching lens. Yes. You know, right. it's, it's not just another group to go post any old question. It's, it's and, and I like that. Cause I think there's, there are a lot of groups, none of them started by Peter. They're all just grassroots efforts of people just starting their own. Um, and I like that this focus just on the coaching piece. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So let's just talk about that third session that we were in together, which was Chase Orton's. And it was, let's dive into Toolkit 2. What can we learn from each other? And let me tell you, Karina, it wasn't yeah. a sit and get. We all put an app on our phone and it's called Upduo. And so can I tell you something? I actually downloaded it. You did? And then... I did, but then I was like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> so I deleted it. But so now, tell me about it because now I feel like I'm gonna need to re-download it. But I just don't remember my username and password. To- <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to figure it out or redo it. Well, his whole session was about defronting PD. You know how we defront the classroom oh. in BTC. So his whole idea is let's defront PD. And it's basically where you and I could jump on an Upduo call or I don't don't know how to explain it. It's kind of like FaceTime, but there have been, Chase will put out, you know, hey, we're going to do an Upduo BTC chat on whatever day at whatever time, if you're available, jump on. And there's basically like pre-printed questions like a okay like a they call them cards cards yes thank you and so we all went on this app and we all had to leave the room because you can't talk to somebody with everybody else in the room which was great because it got us up and moving and out of the room and the person I was connected to was this man who Monique was standing behind him And I think she was helping Chase facilitate this app. So the the funny part is the next Upduo chat I went to, she and I were connected. Like it's random. It's not anything, you know. And so they have these, these cards and it'll have a question on there. And even though it says, what was it, Annalise, like five minutes or something? For each card. Well, yeah, it gives you like a, like a five minutes for each card. Yeah. But it's in the prompt. And wow. some even prompt, okay, Annalise, now you ask Laura this question. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And, and then, and, then we, yeah. So, it, yes, it's a combination of both sharing who you are, where you're from, but then also prompting with a question that is the focus, whoever made this chat of that week to ask questions about. So, it facilitates the discussion, just that rather than just a general talk to each other, it has questions prompting for you. It kind of reminded me of like, I don't know, like a dating app or something where, you know, it's kind of like speed dating, but it's kind of like speed coaching with BTC because we really, we asked each other these questions and whoever's making the card deck, you know, it's whatever focus, but they've all been about coaching, right? Um, Actually, I've done it a couple of times now and and one time we just did it on... um, one of the toolkits. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. They, they are being held um, uh, every other week now. So you can plan ahead. So it's like every other week. And I want to say 
the times are in Pacific time zone and I live on the East Coast time right. zone. Um, but um, but there, there are two times. There's like an afternoon and then a, an early evening. Um, and they're only set for like 20 minutes opening. Like they, they open the room. Everyone has to log on at that time. You're randomly assigned a person and then you have a conversation with that person. Then when you're done, you're done. So it's a quick half hour at most um, discussion and you can use the prompting of the cards. You don't have to, it doesn't force you, but the colors changes from green to yellow to orange of like, Hey, wrap up this question. <laughs> Go to the next one. Um, they don't kick you out of, of the question. You know, right. like if, if you're in a deep discussion, you just keep going. Right. And it's right. just one, it's one-on-one, -on -one, right? It's just yes. two, two of you having that conversation. Yep. Yeah. But it's a video chat. It's a video chat, just like a FaceTime chat would be. Right. Um, but nobody's so giving anybody's number or anything like that. You know, it's just right, right. connecting to talk about the topic. Yeah. So you can create, this is, it's the, it's the beginning of this app. So yes. Chase is good friends with the creator of the app. And so they're learning and growing as they go along, but I've been loving it. It's just so cool to, to drop in and have a conversation with someone and learn from them and share with them. It's like, we're all better together. Um, yeah, you know, certainly are. Chase's, uh, Chase's book is The Imperfect and Unfinished Math Teacher. It's all uh, about yes. that, that we all learn better together. And we're, we're never going to be done. We're, none of us are perfect. We're always learning. And so it's just a really neat opportunity um, to connect. And so, of course, the future for that could be to have certain topics focusing on or you know different groups you can belong to. But at the moment, it's just this one chat. It's every other week on a Thursday. Um, and check out social media because it turns out that when I did this that day, the gentleman and I that were talking, the gentleman took a picture. <laughs> so my face is plastered on all the social media posts. <laughs> I've seen That's them. I've seen that too. That's why I downloaded it the first time because I'm like, well, if Annalise is part of it, then I'm going to join because then maybe I was like, I think that that's it because that's what it looked like. It looked like FaceTime. I'm like, well, yes. maybe I get to FaceTime her. <laughs> you could. He you never know. He did ask me if he could do that. And I'm like, sure. But no, it, it startles me in my, in my social media field, seeing myself there. Oh, that's right there. <laughs> Every other Thursday, here I am. <laughs> You're the face of that. Upduo. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, there was one session I wasn't able to attend, but you went to that I totally wanted to go to. And it was on manipulatives. And who did yes. it? Was it Kim? Uh, that Lindy? was Kim. Yeah, so okay. she is another one of the consultants on Peter's team uh, that does trainings. And um, yeah, it was fantastic because myself, as I've begun doing the building thinking classrooms, I was unsure, like, where do manipulatives play a part in this? Because you're on non-permanent vertical surfaces. Is it okay to give them manipulatives? It's not. And the entire message is, yes, please use manipulatives all the time. But what you can do to facilitate that would be to have, let's say, a desk underneath the, the poster and then the manipulatives are, are there on the table for the kids to be able to use um but what she really hit home with which is so important as well is that it's not that it's a linear progression from concrete to pictures to abstract it's a connection between those representations so being able to build it and then draw it on the vertical surf non-permanent surface that's the magic that as they are connecting those representations and then it bridges to the abstract as well. That's the connection. So it's not just they build it on the desk and that's my answer. They have to then develop the skill of making a pictorial 
representation of what they're what they were doing with the manipulatives. So certainly really important uh, to have those manipulatives out and to have the kids use it at all grade levels. Uh, it's not limited um, to the primary kiddos or or certain kiddos, right? It's like for everyone within arm's reach of everyone all the time. Yeah. So I loved, I loved that because I, I really hadn't thought of that. I didn't know what was right, what was wrong. I didn't remember um, that being in the original book. A conversation about that. Uh, maybe I didn't read that chapter. I don't. I don't know. But there's um, I don't so think much was. in that book that I know. You know, I know we've read it what three times and we keep finding more and more things. I, but I don't think it was because I do remember us having a conversation about it in our book clubs, you know, where where how do manipulatives fit. play into mm. BTC? How do they fit? Mm. Um but yeah, I, I I think we even we may have even posed that question to Peter himself when he came. Yeah, I feel like that was a question we asked him. But yeah, I mean, at that point, and he, I, I do remember him saying, "Absolutely, we want to, we want kids to be using manipulatives." Right. Um, and you yeah. know, I think that's. Go ahead. Well, when it, when it goes to like um, having kids be able to work independently, let's say when we're given assessments, right? So that we have to give assessments to see where the kids are. They have to have that skill to be able to represent their thinking. Yeah. Without the manipulatives, sometimes, right? So I hear that a lot, like. I'm not going to use manipulatives. They can't even use it on the test, <laughs> which, uh, right? So it's important that the kids learn that as a skill, that they can build it to see it, and then they have to learn how to transfer that into a pictorial way. Uh, right. So it benefits with with everything. So um, It's just about building those connections, right? Because then if they can represent it, they can hopefully see it better mm-hmm. because they have experience, it just goes back to that, what we've always talked about, right? Having experiences, having those opportunities yep. um, to see it, visualize it, touch it, and and be able to come, like, think about it again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I know Annalise saw this because I know you're not really doing Facebook, Karina, but four years ago, I, po- I reposted a, a memory and it was day one with the fifth grade class that I had to teach. I was the teacher of record. Oh, yes. And yes. it was the four fours that I had put up oh. on the white books. And that just brought me back to that, I mean, 2019, 2020 school year. I'll just, won't oh. give any adjectives about that. But before we all left on March 13th, I just have to tell you that like that class just got so much from me as a facilitator of learning using yeah. BTC without even having the book. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because it reminded me, and maybe if I can find a picture, I'll, I'll post it on Twitter. But with the manipulatives, I just had kids on the floor next to the wipe books. They were, yeah. they literally like they were on the carpet. They had the base 10 blocks out or they even sat at the tables for the fraction bars because you know how they, they need to be more precise, you know, when you're lining things up and everything. So I really don't know if it makes a difference where they use them as long as they have access and if they need them, they use them. And then Mm -hmm. like when Annalise said is make that jump to represent their thinking somehow, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? And she mentioned even having side by side math where, um, you know, in the primary grade levels, typically we have two students rather than the three. So you can have one person has the concrete, one person's doing the picture, and they're doing it side by side, and then they can swap uh, their different roles. So that was an interesting 
oh, like uh, suggestion that. that she had for that as well. Um, yeah, I find a lot too in, in my consulting and traveling around seeing lots of schools that a lot of manipulatives are like stored in bins over in the side of the classroom. Yep. And I did this myself in my classroom, right? I wanted the kids to know that anyone can use them at any time. But I said, if you need them, please feel free to go over and get them, right? So I never got them, right? They were fifth graders. Like they were going to get out of their seat to go over to a bin to show everyone that they needed them, right? Right. It's not a matter of needing them. It's a matter of our choice, our preference to enter a task. Mm -hmm. Do I want to enter the task visually? Do I want to enter it pictorially? Do I want to enter it abstractly? So it's like a Mm -hmm. kind of like a mild, medium, and spicy kind of just the preferences. One isn't better than another. It's just their preferences. And if I want to choose to enter a task visually, that's my prerogative. If I want to do it physically, but the important thing is that connection between them all, right? Exactly. And so, um, so I like that idea of, of the partners. And also with the manipulators, I find that we don't want stu- we want students as part of the math practices is with math tools is to select the appropriate tool for the appropriate job. Right. So Kim mentioned like if you're going to mow your lawn, you're not going to use a vacuum cleaner, right? Yeah. Like kids need to have that as part of the learning. So I love to have and suggest the teachers have toolkits. We're in this plastic baggie. You have examples of different tools. So the kids have it at arm's length. So it's not walking across a classroom. It's like every group can have their own baggie manipulatives, have one of each of the ones that you've used in the classroom so that they're familiar with them. You don't want to have a brand new one they don't know what to do with. Right, um, right. But then, it's, then no one notices anyone using them. It's not like I've chosen, well, today they're only going to use linking cubes. I'm putting out linking cubes today. No, have like a big gallon-sized plastic bag that has linking cubes. It's got 10 frames. It's got wreck and wrecks. It's got Cuisinier rods, my favorite manipulative, <laughs> right? But they're right there with an arm's reach yeah. of the groups to use whatever they want to. And if they want to, there's no dictate to that either. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I, I really loved that session, of course. I just, I love manipulatives for all kids at all ages. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm looking at the time and... We still, I still have four other sessions that I want to talk about, but I think we might pause here again. I know some of our listeners are like, no, um, but we're, we're trying to make this in commuter size bites, right? Yeah. So I, I think we're going to end now and we'll have to do a part three listeners. I yeah. love it. All right. I so, can talk to you guys forever. And ever. I know. <laughs> Listen, I could listen to this stuff forever and ever. Like, I'm just, uh, I'm just like, give me more, give me more. I can't wait to try it. All right. So, Annalise, thank you again for joining us. And we're just going to have to record another time. Yes, we will. Absolutely. Well, listeners, now you know we're still not done. So we are going to have another, yet another conversation with Annalise. And the challenge is going to be the same. As last week's challenge, share anything you know about building thinking classrooms. Oh, I forgot to say again, we did record that in August. Yeah, yes. it was it was ten days after our first day of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that we was were, on a we, Monday. I mean, we were, Wasn't that on a Monday? Yeah, <gasps> yeah. We were tired. We were tired. We were really it was, tired. It was, yeah, it was a yeah. lot. Mm. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. 
We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too.